0: Is it a sin to have a nativity scene? Is that breaking the second commandment? What are the different end times views? And what is theonomy? The answers to these questions and others when we understand the text.
1: This is When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible commentary to help encourage your time in the Word. Tell your friends about our ministry at www.utt.com. Here, once again, is Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome.
0: Hey, I want to remind everybody about the expository workshop that is coming up February 6th. Sorry, nope, I got that date wrong. Uh-oh. Don't come on February 6th. You'll be too late. <laughs> February 2nd and 3rd.
1: Oh, yes. Definitely be late. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> it, would, it would be late. It would be, I think, past the weekend at that point. Uh, that's here at First Baptist Church in Lyndale, Texas. Mm-hmm. Mike Riccardi is going to be our guest speaker, one of the pastors Yay. from Grace Community Church, and he is awesome. help, helping to lead us through <laughs> the book of Second Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Becky really likes Mike Riccardi, but you can't attend.
1: I can attend.
0: You cannot attend. No,
1: I can. I just can't do the breakouts.
0: Okay, so you can come and sit and listen to yeah, Mike.
1: <laughs> I can. That's true. That's what Tom said. I was you, like, yes
0: you going to find somebody to watch the kids?
1: I might. <laughs> if I can. <laughs> so you
0: can come on in? That'd be awesome. Space is limited to 80.
1: Oh, yeah. So I'm sure it's first come, first serve yeah. type of thing.
0: So pastors, we especially want to encourage you to be a part. But in, in some of the breakout groups that I've led, mm-hmm. uh, there have been elders. There have been prospective elders. There have been Sunday school teachers. Mm-hmm. You just want to learn how to teach the Bible well. You want to learn how to exposit the scriptures That's what the expository workshop is for. Mm -hmm. And so we would encourage you to be a part, especially if you're nearby. And you don't even have to be nearby. I've already seen in the registrations, we've got people coming from states away.
1: Awesome. I think
0: one church from Florida is coming.
1: Yay. That's exciting.
0: To the expository workshop, February 2nd and 3rd at First Baptist Church in Lindale, Texas. I believe you can register from our website. So go to fbclindale.com. Mm-hmm. For sure, you can register on the G3 page. Yeah. So you go to the letter G3MIN.com mm-hmm. and then register on that page for the expository workshop.
1: Yeah, that'd be awesome.
0: So this week, taking questions from the listeners, that's what we do on Friday. Yes. And you can send a question to when we understand the text at gmail.com. The questions that we read today are picking up a copy of the book, 25 Christmas Myths. And what the Bible says. Yay! You can Woo-hoo! find that book still on Amazon. I think I said last year I was going to take it off of Amazon, and I still have that desire to move stuff off of Amazon.
1: Yeah. But for now it's haven't done it it's, yet.
0: it's yeah, yeah, it's still there. I've had other things to do. <laughs> and people are still buying the book and finding it, so you know yeah. why hurry?
1: So Amazon's on there.
0: Amazon is it's, an option. It's on, yeah, it's on Amazon's page. Yes. You can get it there. Twenty five Christmas myths and what the Bible says, either for Kindle or or you can get it in paperback. The questions that we read today will automatically be getting a copy. This is the only week we're doing that. Mm. So you still have to go online to get a copy of the book. Yes. And as I mentioned last week, it's laid out like a like an Advent book. Mm-hmm. So you would do a, a different myth every day mm-hmm. of course it's pointing you to the truth
1: yes
0: <laughs> here's the christmas myth here's what the bible actually says yes. about christmas there's a hymn in there a christmas carol for you to sing together if you want to do it together as a family mm-hmm. but check out the book and i hope you and enjoy it
1: 24 of them or 25? 25 25 because <laughs> yeah. the title right your mind <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was thinking you do it for the 25 24 days leading up to christmas but then i was like no i think there's 25 yeah there's one he, on christmas yeah. day
0: as well yeah yeah yeah, a true advent calendar is 24.
1: Yeah, well, that's where I got the 24 yeah. in my head. But then I was like, pretty sure it's... Yeah, anyway, blonde moment. It's good. We're good. It's awesome. Yeah, good. you
0: had a blonde moment earlier this week driving over a curb, too.
1: I did it.
0: <laughs> Thankfully, the van's okay.
1: Oh, it's kind of okay. It
0: so, runs. So I was parked right next to my wife. Yes. And I'm not parked at a curb. I'm parked in a in a driveway. right. And so when we pulled away from each other, I just went straight.
1: Right. And I was getting ready to back up, but there were people driving crazy behind me and not giving me an opportunity to back up. So I saw my husband drive forward and I was like, hey, that's a great idea. I have cement in front of me. Why don't I just drive forward? Yeah, no. You were
0: parked at a curb stop.
1: I was parked at a
0: curb <laughs> and <it>
1: scratch, <laughs> scrape, everything. And the kids were screaming. It was great fun. Good
0: fun. <laughs> the kids thought the world was ending. <laughs> they did. It's, it's a disaster film all of a sudden. <laughs>
1: uh, and then trolleys moaning and groaning ever since. Yeah, trolley our is car. our van.
0: Think, yeah. Are we over 220,000 miles of yeah, that thing? I think yeah, so. yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. It's... It's ready. Yeah. Uh, Only Becky's trying to hurry it up. (laughs) I didn't mean to. So I'll go ahead and get another van. Yeah.
1: It was. Oh, man. (laughs) They need a sign or something. If they had a pole in front of me.
0: Or you can remember you were parked at a curb.
1: Or, you know, (laughs) I could be a little more patient, too.
0: (laughs) All right. Before we get to the questions here, I do have okay. I do have a Christmas related poll
1: oh. that
0: I did on Twitter. So the poll question was: How much Christmas music are you listening to? Like today? Yeah, like right now. How much Christmas music are you listening to? Zero. None at all.
1: Well, okay. Unless you count our children telling their Echo Dots uh, "Merry Christmas" or "It's Christmas," and then you know it does the little jingle.
0: Yeah, that doesn't count.
1: Okay,
0: then no. Yeah. So you're not listening to any Christmas music. Not right now, no. The kids haven't even brought up their, like, they've got their Christmas songs they listen to every year, like, all the time. Okay,
1: so we (laughs) listen to it from June until September, so I'm pretty sure I've got these two months free. Okay,
0: we have a lull then. (laughs) Yes. Uh, October, November, and then once we hit Thanksgiving, we're picking it back up. Probably, yeah. Okay
1: they just haven't mentioned it yet.
0: So the question, the poll that I presented was how much Christmas music are you listening to? 299 votes.
1: Okay. That's a lot.
0: 53.5% said none, wait until after Thanksgiving. <laughs> there you go. So the majority is saying we're not listening to any Christmas music right now. Mhm. 23.4% said okay, I admit a little. Uh-huh. 10.7% said I listen to some today. And 12.4% said, I've been listening to it for weeks. (laughs) Now, someone commented and said, only weeks? And I said, well, I thought about putting, been listening to it for months, but I'd really only get one vote on that one.
1: Yeah, right. And that's our friend, Alan Nelson. (laughs) that's what I was thinking, too. (laughs) Quadro.
0: Quattro, our pastor friend down in Arkansas, he listens to Christmas music. I think pretty much year round. Yes. He wishes Christmas was all the time. Yes. <laughs> That's Quattro. I gotta admit, I love Christmas, which is why I wrote a book. Yes. Contributing to the holiday season. You so do love Christmas. I do. I love. I love a good Christmas. So let's answer some of these Christmas-related questions. Uh, this one is speaking of Arkansas. So this one comes from Arkansas. Sweet. Or rather, actually. It was written to us while they were in Arkansas. Okay. I don't know that they're actually from Arkansas. I'd have to check the address. Sure. But this is Nancy. She says, hello, Gabe and Becky. I am emailing from I-40 in Arkansas. My husband is driving, so it's okay that I'm composing this on my phone. (laughs) Well done. Commercial Christmas is once again upon us with all of its trappings Mm -hmm. from the garish to the sublime. Yes. Yeah, indeed. I went into Home Depot. This was before November. It was still October at the time. And the first thing you see when you walk into Home yeah. Depot, Christmas everywhere. Everywhere. Now, Walmart certainly made more of a of, of a Halloween effort. Mm-hmm. And now all the Halloween has been replaced by Christmas stuff. Mm-hmm. But places like Lowe's and Home Depot, they've been at the Christmas stuff since like like, like September or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. The candy store was putting up their Christmas lights, and they had a Christmas tree. Oh, really? Yep. As we
0: drove by today. Now, that's weird, because, I mean, it's a candy store. Their biggest biggest season has got to be Halloween.
1: Yeah, well... And then the next biggest season, I guess, is Christmas.
0: <laughs> well, true. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's I'm not definitely sure the how case. How much
1: Thanksgiving they do?
0: <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the Halloween decorations, and you know from our neighborhood. I mean, we've had people with Halloween decorations out. Looks like they spent at least a thousand bucks. Oh
1: yeah, definitely.
0: Where in the world did you get all that stuff? And where do you keep it?
1: Yeah, no joke. For
0: fifty one fifty weeks a year or something, you just mm-hmm. pull it out for like half a month or something like that.
1: Yeah. I don't know
0: well no I did I saw some Halloween decorations starting in September I yeah did a that. few but yeah. then they
1: added to the yard
0: oh yeah and then it, it just grew right. as people died and they put up more tombstones yeah <laughs> <It's so weird. laughs> the Halloween decorations expanded it's a weird anyway word. going on with Nancy's email here my yes. my question concerns the appropriateness of nativity scenes mm. I've never been overly drawn to them, but I do have a few in various sizes that were gifts. I know several people who collect them. I'm a crafter. And for the last several years, I have come to question if making a nativity is to make a graven image or an idol. Hmm. Am I correct in my thinking? Am I over-reading and therefore attributing to Scripture that which is not there? Thank you for your time and attention, grace and peace.
1: Well, I think that goes with... um Whatever your convictions are.
0: Yeah. So there's the uh, a lot of reformed folks will hold tightly to uh, the second commandment. You will not raise up a graven image. Mm -hmm. And any sort of image of Christ at all would be considered a violation of the second commandment. Mm -hmm. Or you might see it posted on social media to the number two CV. And that stands for second commandment violation. Oh, okay. So if they're talking about an image of God or an image of Christ, and you see two CV,
1: I've seen that here and there. Yeah, but I didn't know
0: that's what I that stands have for. Any clue what that meant? <laughs> they're making the accusation that this is a second commandment violation. Gotcha. Now I would agree that we should not post any images of God the Father mm. because no one has seen the Father. Right. John one says no one has seen the Father. We should not be posting images of God the Father. Mm-hmm. I am opposed to the Sistine Chapel thing. You know, God the Father there. Uh, and uh, yeah. and Adam there with their fingers you know right. reaching out to each other. yeah, we should not be doing images of God the Father. I'm I'm a little more lenient on images of Christ mm-hmm. though I don't think as, as a matter of personal conviction you should not be putting them in the worship service mm-hmm. so they shouldn't be in the sanctuary too tempting to look at that and think of that as an image of christ right and therefore pray to that or worship that or something like that Mm -hmm. but i personally don't find there to be a second commandment violation with a nativity scene although a a, a person who believes they're consistently holding to that commandment would say that the nativity scene is therefore a violation of the second commandment because you got an image of the baby jesus right and he is the god man and so we shouldn't we shouldn't be having graven images such as that. Mm hmm. Now, there are others, you know, you've probably seen like the very plain looking nativity scene. Right. Where it's just little wooden figurines. They don't have a lot of definition to them. Mm-hmm. And then the manger is just the manger. Right. It's not really a baby in it. It's just, a, you know, a setup of a manger. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'd be more comfortable with something like that. Yeah. Because there isn't the image of God being demonstrated there in in a nativity scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are If you're worried about causing somebody else to stumble, that might be the way to go. I've walked into churches that have nativity scenes in their lobby when mm. you walk in. Yeah. Anywhere from the small figurine set yep. to life-size sets. Yep.
1: <laughs> Real donkeys and everything. Yeah, yep.
0: right. <laughs> uh, When we lived in Kansas, every single year we went to a living nativity. Yes. And uh, even friends of ours, like their their baby, you know, their newborn mm-hmm. son or daughter, was Jesus in the right. in the living nativity. Yep. Uh, so we've we've attended things like that. Our kids have enjoyed stuff like that. Like I said, it's not a matter of personal conviction mm. uh, to think that such a thing is therefore a second commandment violation. But if in your conscience you do feel guilty mm-hmm. in some way about having that kind of an image in a nativity scene, then you should not have a nativity scene. Right. Now, let's consider the commandment. Let's hear it the way that we have it in Exodus 20. And in Deuteronomy 5, it reads the exact same way. Okay. So where you have the Ten Commandments repeated in Deuteronomy 5, let's see, that's starting in verse 8 and going through verse 10. It reads the same as Exodus 20, verse 4 through verse 6. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, Yahweh your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Hmm. So what does that sound like? Does it sound like you shall not make any sort of, of likeness of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath at all? Or you should only not make a likeness for the purpose of worshiping them.
1: It makes it I mean, the way the way that it's that you're reading it to me, like before I would have said just don't worship, but now it sounds like it's don't make anything and don't worship anything that is already made.
0: So don't even make it at all. Right? Don't don't make a likeness of anything in heaven.
1: I'm, I'm hearing it right now.
0: But it says any likeness of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath right. or even what's in the sea. Right. So can we not have like little, little figurines of fishes?
1: I don't know.
0: Fishes, is that plural or just no, fish? No, it's just fish. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's fishes because we have children. <laughs>
0: <laughs> True.
1: But it's fish.
0: And and you just came from the library.
1: <laughs> yes, I did. That's right. Library.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, how about the... Images of the angels that were in the temple.
1: Yeah, I just.
0: Or I, the images of the angels on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. Right. Which God told them to make.
1: Right. That's true.
0: Make two images of angels prostrate mm-hmm. on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. And see,
1: that's where I was like, oh, it's okay. Just don't worship them. The Like I said, taking your, that verse, two verses that you read just now. Right. Straight. That's. It makes it sound like you can't do anything.
0: Well, so like I said, or you shouldn't do anything. It, it has to do there. There is an element of this that comes into personal conviction. Mm-hmm. Now we shouldn't divide over this. Right. This will come into there's there's uh, an aspect of interpreting this that comes into like uh, a Romans 14 principle of a matter of conscience. Oh, right. So mm-hmm. don't quarrel over opinions. Don't separate over opinions.
1: Mm-hmm. And have patience with everybody.
0: Yeah, in regarding their opinions. Right. But let each person be fully convinced in his own mind. Mm-hmm. So if you think it's wrong to have a nativity scene, be fully convinced of that. Mm-hmm. And don't have nativity scenes. But if you think it's okay for you, as long as it's not causing somebody else to stumble, mm-hmm. then personally, I don't see the harm in it. Yeah. but That's I, the big
1: thing is don't... Not to let anybody else stumble.
0: Right. And and see, that's where I'm very, very careful or cautious about anything like that. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to do something or create something that's going to cause somebody else to stumble. Mm -hmm. It is really, really easy for us to turn our attention and affections toward graven images. Right. You can see religions, even that claim to be Christian, that Mm -hmm. do this. Mm -hmm. Catholicism. Yeah. Eastern Orthodoxy or Greek Orthodoxy. All of them have images that they bow to, they kiss, Mm -hmm. they show reverence to, they will claim they are not worshiping. Mm -hmm. But how is bowing to it not worshiping it? Yeah. How is praying before it and thinking that that prayer is therefore heard by a dead saint?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Not idolatry. Yeah. Which they'll even say, no, we're not praying. We're asking for that person, the saint or Mary or whoever else, to take our prayers before God. Well, Mm -hmm. no. (laughs) You're... You're praying to it. Mm. It's a quarreling over words, which the Bible tells us not to do that, too. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But anyway, bringing that back into the nativity scene thing. Yes. I've written a chapter about this in 25 Christmas myths and what the Bible says.
1: How about that?
0: If you even want to know where the whole tradition of the nativity scene started. I talk about that in the book as well.
1: But Nancy will get it herself.
0: Nancy, you're getting a copy. Yay! So we thank you so much for the question that you sent. We've given you some things to think about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not an explicit yes or no answer.
1: I don't know if there is one, but some
0: because things it's you do have. That's right. There's there's some <laughs> aspects of this that are opinionated. It's some things to work through. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, RC Sproul, his church. St. Andrew's Chapel in Sanford, Florida, mm-hmm. we had the chance to see him the same year that he died. Mm-hmm. We went to go hear him preach in April of that year, and yeah. then he died, in, I think it was in December. Yes. I was in their lobby. There's paintings of Bible stories in the lobby. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not in the worship center. Right. It's not where people are seated and worshiping, but out in the lobby are various scenes from the Bible and, and lavish classical paintings. hmm And some of those paintings do depict Christ. Yeah. There would be some that would look at that and would think that R.C. Sproul is violating the Second Commandment or anybody there at St. Andrew's Chapel. Mm -hmm. Again, that's got to be a matter of conscience. Yeah. And that's going to be between you and the Lord. Don't (laughs) cause anybody to stumble. This next question, it comes from Juanita in Walla Walla, Washington.
1: Oh, fun.
0: (laughs) I have heard of Walla Walla, never been there, but I believe this is the first email we've received from Walla Walla.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely (laughs) (laughs)
0: Juanita says Recently in one of your Q&A's You mentioned John MacArthur Was a premillennialist Or a dispensationalist I'm not sure I'm spelling it right But I was wondering If you could give me an idea Of what that is Thank you so very much I am new to your podcast But enjoy your teaching God bless you And your sweet family
1: Aw, thanks
0: We've been listening long enough To know I've got a sweet family (laughs) Thank you for your question, Juanita So, what is premillennialism or dispensationalism? Mm -hmm. There are two main views of the end times. When we talk about a study of the end times, the word that we use for that is eschatology. Right. And there are two main views of eschatology. There's premillennialism and postmillennialism. Mm -hmm. Now, even those two views can be split into two smaller factions. Yeah. You have historic or classical premillennialism. And then you have dispensationalism. Uh-huh. And yeah, I know I'm slurring my word because that's a lot of syllables to get out of. <laughs> uh, and then in postmillennialism you have classical postmillennialism and you have amillennialism. Right. So let's talk about just And then
1: you have people in between everything.
0: Yeah, right. So in dispensationalism you have uh, you have pre-rapture dispensationalists, you have mid-tribulation rapture dispensationalists and you have post-tribulation rapture dispensationalists.
1: Okay. So so basically we can get more detailed, <laughs> but we're going to keep it at the elementary level this time.
0: Just okay. for your sanity. Yes. <laughs>
1: And so we don't spend the next hour explaining this.
0: So the two main views basically set a timeline in relation to the millennium, the millennium, the millennial kingdom (laughs) (laughs) that we read about in Revelation chapter 20. So this is Christ reigning in the millennial kingdom. Mm -hmm. But since Revelation is apocalyptic literature, it's writing about things that have not yet happened there's some differing opinions on what's being talked about there. Is the millennial kingdom in the present mm. or is the millennial kingdom yet to come? Mm. The premillennialist believes that we are not yet in the millennial kingdom mm. and it's going to be a literal kingdom set up here on the earth in which Christ will dwell. He will reign on the throne of David in Jerusalem and that kingdom will not be established on the earth until christ's return what we're waiting for next which is his second coming Mm -hmm. at his second coming he sets up a kingdom that will last for a thousand years some will say that number symbolic others will even claim that it is literally a thousand years or somewhat relative to that he will set up that kingdom for a thousand years in which satan will be bound at the end of the thousand years he will be unbound until Christ finally destroys him. He'll deceive the nations again. Christ will destroy him. Uh, and then we enter into the new heavens and the new earth, and everything will be perfect from that point forward. Mm-hmm. So that's premillennialism. Postmillennialism believes that what we are having described for us there in Revelation 20 is actually right now. And the way John writes Revelation, we have some recapitulation. Mm-hmm. That means that John will describe a series of events to us one way. Then he's given another vantage point of mm. the same events, and he'll write about those events from a different vantage point. Right. And then he's given a different vantage point, and we'll write okay. it from that vantage point. And so, therefore, even though the millennium appears toward the end of the book of Revelation, he's describing something that he's actually written about earlier in the book, mm-hmm. but from a different vantage point. Right. And so he calls it the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ in which Christ is on the throne in heaven reigning with even the saints who have died and have gone to live with him there in heaven. Mm-hmm. So our loved ones, our relatives that we have lost who were Christians who have gone to be with Christ, they're reigning now with him as he reigns from his throne until all of his enemies are put under his feet. And then at the end of that thousand-year period, that's when he returns. Mm-hmm. So the the postmillennialists and the amillennialists differ a little bit on how they apply those things. The postmillennialists will believe that in the state in which we live, things are actually getting progressively better, mm-hmm. and it's toward the end of that period in which Christ will uh, then come and judge those who are uh, uh, who are his enemies and rescue those who are his saints. Mm-hmm. The premillennialist believes that things are getting progressively worse. Mm-hmm. Now, the classical premillennialist does not believe that there is a seven-year period of tribulation. All that we're waiting for next is the appearance of Christ. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a rapture of the church. There's going to be the judgment that will come upon those who do not believe. Christ sets up his millennial kingdom on the earth. That's what the classical uh, premillennialist believes. The dispensationalist believes that there is a rapture of the church that's going to happen that begins the seven year period of tribulation. And like I said, there are some that believe that rapture happens in the middle of the seven years <laughs> and at the end of the seven years. But anyway, we have this seven year period of great tribulation that's to come where the Antichrist is going to be revealed and he's going to rule on the earth. And that's where you have the mark of the beast and all mm-hmm. these other kinds of things. And God deals with Israel. And then it's at the end of that seven years that Christ returns again. And he takes up those who were saved during the seven year period and establishes his kingdom on the earth, and then we reign with Christ for a thousand years Mm -hmm. in the earthly millennial kingdom. That is not the view that I hold. I'm on the more post-millennial side and probably falling more in the amillennial camp Mm -hmm. on the post-millennial views. So I don't hold the dispensational view that John MacArthur holds. Mm -hmm. And I've written about that and even provided some arguments against uh, uh, premillennialism and dispensationalism And I can send you that email, Juanita. I'll just uh, include it in my response so that you can read that yourself since we're kind of crunched for time and I'm not going to go on into that. Yeah. But uh, all of that to say that we have these differing viewpoints of eschatology Mm -hmm. between MacArthur and I, I believe that he is one of the greatest expositors in our present day that there has not been a greater expositor of scripture since Martin Lloyd Jones. Yeah. John MacArthur is doing a phenomenal job. I yes, just he is. I just disagree with him on certain aspects of eschatology. While these four perspectives may disagree on some things, we all agree that Jesus Christ will return to judge the living and the dead. Mhm. And those who believe in him will also reign with him, 2 Timothy 2:12. Right. We should not divide over this, rather we should comfort one another with these words. Yes. 1 Thessalonians 4:18. So I've got friends that have differing viewpoints on the end times than I have. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, among our elders here at First Baptist Church Lindale, all of our elders hold all four positions. You'll find yeah. you'll find all four <laughs> eschatological positions among our elders. Yeah. And yet we love one another and minister together and teach our respective classes without any cause of division yeah Yeah. any disputes or anything like that now we rib each other right (laughs) tom will constantly say things like well i'm going in the rapture i don't know where you're gonna be (laughs) you could be hanging out down here waiting for your amillennialism to come true you know something like that (laughs) you know we'll rib each other about stuff like that and i'll tell him well i believe what the bible says i don't i don't know what you're (laughs) what you're thinking (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, let's not be divisive over those things But rather we encourage one another mm-hmm. Sharpen one another according to what we understand the scriptures say yeah. If you don't understand something, go back to the Bible And be able to back up your view according to what scripture says Not just according to what you uh, what your opinion is Right,
1: or your favorite teacher's opinion
0: Yeah, something like that Yeah uh, This next question comes from Jeremy in Indianapolis, Indiana He says, I listened to your Friday Q&A last week, and I've been too busy to sit down on my computer and respond before now. You said that day, the 28th, was your daughter's eighth birthday. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this is going back to our October 28th broadcast. Yes. I wanted to say that my first baby, Kaylee, was born early that morning.
1: Aw, oh, awesome.
0: In that episode, you talked about Old Testament civic laws being used as a guide for the laws of nations today. It sounded very theonomic to me, and I wanted to ask what you think about theonomy. I'm not going to cancel you if you are. Like many people do the first moment they hear anyone is a theonomist. I am one myself, and I have a theonomic economics podcast called Money. <laughs> Neat.
1: That's a creative,
0: uh, creative <laughs> that <is> title. creative creative. <laughs> I also have a question about Hebrews. You said that you, and I assume Pastor Tom Buck as well, think Hebrews was an expositional sermon on Psalm 95. Can you go into more detail on why you think it would be Psalm 95 and not Psalm 110? Thank you for your ministry, Pastor. I've been listening since 2018 and first watched the YouTube videos a couple of years before then.
1: Aw, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate that, Jeremy.
0: I'm going to wait on the Hebrews question. Okay. So let me get to that another time, mm-hmm. uh, since we are a little short for time. It's another one of those half-hour episodes. It is. Sorry, we got to keep it short this week. I actually, as soon as we get done, I got to go teach a class, and I've got about fifteen minutes yep. right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we got
0: <laughs> to. I got to gather my along. things and, and go teach my class. But yeah, with regards to theonomy. So in case you don't know, theonomy means God's law. Theo meaning God and nomi meaning law. Mm-hmm. Am I a theonomist? Mm-hmm. I've certainly said things where other people have called me a theonomist. I don't have any reason to hold on to that label. And and really, it's a loaded term. Yeah, People will tend to think that when you say that you're a theonomist, that you're ready to impose Old Testament law. And we need to go back to Old Testament law like the Muslims are trying to enforce Sharia law. You know, okay. something like that. Uh, that's not what I'm trying to do but rather all of our laws need to be based on something mhm i mean are we going off of whatever man thinks is a good idea for his nation yeah we're going from man's wisdom or are we applying God's wisdom? Right. So every... <laughs> we
1: see in the Bible how that turns out when everybody think, uh, does what is right in their own minds. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. <laughs> That's exactly in Judges. Yep. And you have a couple of places in Judges where it says every everyone <laughs> yeah. did what was right in their own eyes. It's bad. And in fact, one of those closing stories... It's always bad. <laughs> it's always bad. One of those closing stories in Judges is actually a good story to go along with the first question that we answered about, the, uh, uh, about graven images. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Because there's a man who makes a shrine, and he makes uh, another uh, sort of an image, Mm -hmm. which he thinks represents God. He believes he's worshiping the true God of Israel, Mm -hmm. but he makes these things to be the objects of his worship. Mm -hmm. And yet the book of Judges is demonstrating there, you think you're worshiping the true God, but you're an idol worshiper, and you're actually far from God. Right. So lest anybody like, you know, we're talking about the Catholic tradition and things like that, that worship these things, even a, an image of a crucifix, of Jesus hanging on the cross, mm-hmm. they think they're truly worshiping the Messiah. Well, according to what's said in Judges, no, you're worshiping an idol, mm-hmm. even though you think it's God. You you think that. I've, I've just made this thing that's supposed to give homage to God. If you're bowing down to that, you're worshiping an idol. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the reasons why the Puritans did not even want images of the cross in their worship services. Hmm. You know, the, the cross itself is a very uh, reformed, like Protestant reformed image mm-hmm. because we've taken Christ off the cross yeah. since he's not on the cross anymore. We took we took the image of the crucifix in Catholic tradition mm-hmm. and took Christ off of it because Christ is not on the cross anymore. Right, He was buried and he's risen again. So hence the empty cross in many Protestant churches that's a symbol that comes out of the Protestant Reformation from over 500 years ago. Mm-hmm. But the the crucifix image of Christ hanging on the cross that's used in Catholicism and in Eastern Orthodoxy and things like that, you know, that that's an idol. When they worship that or kiss that or pray to that or whatever they do, mm-hmm. that's idol worship. So anyway, how did I get into that? I don't know. We're talking. Oh, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Oh yeah, yeah. And judges, that's, that's what right. it was. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. So, so our laws have to be based on something. So, therefore, where should they be based? Mm-hmm. They should be based on the Bible. Our laws should be based <laughs> <laughs> based on the Bible, based on God's law. Mm-hmm. And as the example I gave, I think it was in that uh, episode on October twenty eighth. Like, somebody could argue, well, what about bicycle laws? Because there aren't bicycles in the Bible. Well, you can can still make bicycle laws, Mm -hmm. but laws that are based on what we have in Scripture. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, that's what I believe as a Christian. That's what I believe our laws should be based on. That doesn't mean that's necessarily going to happen. Right. That is. Sadly. Yeah. That That's what, according to scripture, our laws should be following God's law. Mm. Laws in America should be following God's law. The reason why you have many states right now, like the state of California being one of them, that just legalized abortion at every stage Ugh. of pregnancy all the way up to birth. That was that was a, oh um, a measure. I think it was Measure One was the name of it. Mm. That was just passed this past Tuesday in the election that we just had. There were other uh, Vermont was another one, yeah. another state that did that. So you have laws like too, this. Too many. These laws are godless. Mm. They destroy lives that were made in the image of God. It's well, the literally. destruction of a child's life.
1: And the emotional trauma that it is it takes on the parents. I,
0: I, yeah, all kinds Just, of damage that that does. Murdering a child, the long-term effects of that. Ugh. This is what happens when man tries to take laws into his own hands. Mm-hmm. When a nation becomes godless and they start passing godless laws. Mm-hmm. What kind of nation are we going to be? Are we going to be a nation that desires to honor God? Or are we honoring ourselves yeah. in our own minds? The futility of our own minds. So in whatever category that puts me in making that argument, does that make me a theonomist? If that's the way you want to label me? Then who am I to argue? Yeah. But I'm not sitting here attributing that to myself. I'm going to go on what the Bible says. Yeah. Same way when somebody labels me a Calvinist. You will not find any sermon or any video anywhere of me saying I am a Calvinist, mm-hmm. except me doing something like that right there. Right. <laughs> the label is, is really weighted. It comes with a lot of baggage. Mm-hmm. So I would rather just tell you, here's what I believe the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And if that happens to line up with one of these other isms or anomies, <laughs> then so be it. I'm not going to argue it unless it's something that contradicts scripture.
1: Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound like he was arguing, thankfully. But there's there's others out there who... Kind of, I don't know,
0: jab, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that tweet that I got banned for. Oh, yeah. When I was saying these people deserve the death penalty, according right. to the Bible. And then I had people going, oh, you're a theonomist. Yeah. Well, you give me a better measure.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: What do these people deserve according to what? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to base this off of? When a person sins and so they do specifically this sin, what should be the penalty for it? Mm-hmm. And what do you base that penalty off of? Yeah. But yeah, I got banned, for, I got banned from Twitter for saying what the Bible says. I'm still waiting for Elon to get me out of jail.
1: <laughs> Need another movement. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. All right, folks. Well, that's it. I got to go teach a class. Yes. So uh, I got to go listen. Congratulations to Jeremy and to Walla Walla. No, sorry. Juanita. <laughs> <laughs> Walla Walla. Yeah. And Nancy. Juanita from Walla Walla. And Nancy, who are picking up a copy of 25 Christmas Mids. And what the Bible says. Woo-hoo. We're gonna gift all of Walla Walla Washington.
1: <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's just you, Juanita. Yes. But thank you so much for sending your emails. And a reminder, once again, if you want to get an email to us, send it to when we understand the text at gmail.com. It's the best way to get a question for the broadcast. Mm-hmm. Let's pray. Yes, let's. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. The salvation that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord who died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the grave so that whoever believes in him will not perish under the judgment of God, but we will have everlasting life. We can wake up every single day rejoicing in you for this wonder of the gospel that you have delivered to us. We have so believed and so we are saved. And may we have the courage and the boldness to go out with the message of the gospel into this wicked fallen world, so that we may, as it says in Philippians 2, shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and depraved generation holding fast to the word of life. After the election this past Tuesday, I know that a lot of people were disappointed with how things turned out. There's just so much wickedness in our culture. We can read in Psalm 10 about the wicked. His mouth is full of curses and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is mischief and wickedness. But in verse 12, Arise, O Yahweh, O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the afflicted. Why has the wicked spurned God? He has said in his heart, You will not require it. You have seen it, for you have beheld mischief and vexation to take it into your hand. The unfortunate commits himself to you. You have been the helper of the orphan. Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. Yahweh is king forever and ever. Nations have perished from his land. And so may we hold fast to your promises, Heavenly Father, uh, knowing that you are king and nothing that has happened in this election or in any other election or, or any other rule or authority in this world, none of those things have dethroned you or even shocked you. And so we continue to trust in the sovereignty of our God, knowing that you are working something out for our good and for your glory, even in the midst of these times. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, we pray. In your name, amen. Amen. And as the example I gave, I think it was in that uh, episode on October 28th, like somebody could argue, well, what about bicycle laws? Because there aren't bicycles in the Bible. Well, you can oh, yeah. you can still make bicycle laws, mm-hmm. but laws that are based on what we have in Scripture,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not based on you know man having. Well, you know, I'll come up with my own ideas. Bicycles uh, should not uh, have more than two wheels. Right. Now then, they're not bicycles anymore. <laughs> that was a terrible example. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> uh.